So glad you've joined us today in all of our locations. And hey, I've got some good news for those of you that are still uh, honing in with us at Die Ball and Duncan. We are coming back to the Die Ball Correctional and Duncan unit. We're going. We're coming back for you guys. It's uh, we we've got to kind of swim through some bureaucratic peanut butter, but we are. We have a plan, and uh, we're headed your way. So thanks for still engaging with us. Uh, can't wait to see what God does next, and can't wait to see you again uh, very, very soon. Jesus is always on the move. He's always on the move. And even when you don't see or feel or recognize, or maybe even if he's moving in a way that you would feel better if he were moving your way, uh, he's always on the move. And we pick up this moment that Jesus is on the move, a very important move, that after three and a half years of ministry, uh, he's going to be traveling back to the city of Jerusalem. And uh, he's never going to leave. Once he goes to Jerusalem, all of the different events will unfold that have to unfold to uh, take him to the cross and fulfill all of the prophecies, all of the scripture that would identify the Messiah. And on his way to Jerusalem, he's, he's beginning to unpack this. This is the third time now that he has mentioned to the disciples that he's, he's going somewhere, that something's going to have to happen that they're not expecting, um, that some, something's going to take place that you don't see coming. And you know, some of the most significant things in your life you never see coming, some of, some of the most significant events that, that radically affect your life, you didn't even see them coming. And... Jesus gives us guidance when we don't see exactly what he sees. Mark chapter 10, he says to the guys, okay, guys, we're going up to Jerusalem. And the son of man, he's talking about himself, son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. The chief priests and teachers of the law were the antithesis of the news of Jesus. The teachers and the, uh, the, the chief priests, they had been building a system of expectation, power and authority over the Israelites, over the Jewish people that demanded their allegiance to the chief priests and teachers. Now, it was a God thing that they would honor the priests, that they would listen to the teachers, that they would follow God. And they were the mouthpiece, the delivery system of God's news to the Israelites. But they, they had gotten power hungry. They had gotten on a power trip and Jesus was turning their processes and methodologies on, on the ear. They were saying, uh, don't commit adultery. He's saying, I know you've heard it said that way, but I'm saying, like, don't even look at a woman lustfully. You, you've heard it said, um, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. I say to you, like, like love one another, forgive one another. If you have an issue with someone, uh, uh, go and make it right with them. Deal with the dirt. You guys know what dirt is? Oh, this will help you marriages. This will help you everybody. T teenagers going back into high, like dirt, you got to deal with the dirt in your life. You know what dirt is? It's not even in your notes. Just write it down. D-I-R-T. Don't ignore relational tension. You know what I'm talking about. Mom gave you the cold shoulder on the phone the other day. Wonder what's up? Wonder what's up with her? Someone's cold shoulder to you. Someone's short. Something's happening. It's cold, you know, there's static in the room. Don't ignore relational tension. Jesus shows us how to deal with things in a way that, that was challenging the power and authority 
of these people that wanted to kill Jesus. So he's going to be delivered. Now, now Jesus is giving them the 411 on what's about to go down. They're going to condemn me, him, to death. And they're going to hand him over to the Gentiles. And look what he says to the disciples. And when he's handed over, they're going to mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. He's telling his most faithful friends and followers, I'm about to go through something that is going to be unbelievably painful, excruciating, um, something that is going to be humiliating. And they don't even realize it's going to be in front of everybody. Three days later, I'm going to rise. So there's good news in the end of all that. Like, it's okay. It's all for a purpose. Now, if you had somebody coming to you saying, hey, I'm about ready to go through a valley. Um, Hey, uh, my husband told me yesterday that I've got 24 hours to move out of the house. He's met somebody else. Um, I don't know what to do. I, I would think that as a friend, as someone who cares for someone else, probably your, your things are, number one, if you're a girlfriend to that woman, you're like, Earl has to die. Nah, 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 nah. You know, like. But you're probably going to be more like, what can I do? How can I help? Um, is there something I can say? Uh, what, what do you need? And you, you, my concern is you. And you're willing to be late to the movie because of this phone call that you got before you walked into the cinema. Um, you would think that the disciples would respond this way too. But you know, they didn't quite understand it all. He's making it pretty crystal clear. And they don't understand it. They don't get it, right? Because here's what happens. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, this is the very next, like this, is, this happens exactly after this. So he says, uh, this is all gonna happen, but then I'm gonna rise again. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they came to him and they said, uh, hey, teacher, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. So I know you're gonna go through all that. Oh man, yikes. Can we have power though? Like, I mean, can we kind of be there? Like be your guys? Like when you come back and rise, why are they asking this? Because their whole understanding was counterintuitive to the kingdom of God. They were raised in a culture that the only power and authority you would really seek after is governmental political power, a power that would put you in charge so that nobody else would give you what to do and how to do it, that you wouldn't let anybody's thumb be on you. And this is exactly where the Jewish people were living. The Israelites were living under the Roman thumb, under Roman occupation. They had some very, very limited freedoms and their goal in a Messiah coming, an anointed one, they did not see him coming to a cross. They saw him coming with a crown and with a chariot, not with a cross and being mocked and flogged and beaten to death and put in a tomb that wasn't even his. They didn't see that. They couldn't understand it because the only understanding of power and authority was those that had all the power and those that had all the authority. That was their only model for what power and authority looked like. And so they say, hey, can we sit with you? Because they wanted power and authority. Uh, We are addicted since the beginning of the Garden of Eden 
to power and authority, to taking matters into our own hands. I mean, can you think of a better situation, husband and wife? You got all the food you want. You can walk around naked. No thorns, no poison ivy, just walking around all in glory. Because it was glory. Because here it was. It was unashamed, uninhibited, innocence before God, complete reliance on the authority and power of him. And the enemy comes in and says, oh, did God really say you're not supposed to do this and do that? And I mean, really, I mean, don't you think you would, don't you think you would be a little bit happier if you had all the power and authority? Because you can be just like him. You can be just like God. And so it wasn't the act of eating the fruit. It was the heart of the issue. Sin is never the act you commit. That's not what it's about. Sin is the authority you reject. And when we sin, we're simply rejecting the authority of God. When I gossip, it's sin. When I, when I deal with sexual immorality, it's sin. The act has consequences and ramifications that may be different from one act to the next. But the ultimate issue that separates us from God is not the act, it's the heart. It's the authority and power that I say, when it comes to this, 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 and this, all you, God, all you, I surrender all. I'll see you do it again. At the midnight hour, you're going to turn it around. But one of these other things, I like to have them turned around just the way I like them. I don't want you to turn around this. I, I like it this way. Um, this makes more sense to me. Can I just pause for just a second? Who in their right mind would think that a God worth serving would be a God that agrees with you all the time. Yet that's what we want. We want God to agree with us all the time versus us agreeing with God. You know why? Because we got power issues, because we got authority issues. And as, as well-meaning as the sons of Zebedee were, they were thinking about, you know, Junior Pharaoh and Vice President Zebedee's son. They, they weren't thinking of, of Jesus' power and authority. And so here's how Jesus says it. He says, you, you know, <laughs> you know, those who, who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over. They're like, yeah, that's all we've seen. That's all we've known. And their high officials exercise authority over them. That's exactly what we're saying, Jesus, James and John say. That's what we want. We want to lord it over them. We want to have a, a, authority. He says, not so with you. What? What are you talking about, Jesus? Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to become great must be your servant. Do you know there's some things Jesus said that's like, oh man, are you sure you had to say that? Are you sure you had to make it that clear? <laughs> For even the son of man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We like the lion of the tribe of Judah when we describe Jesus. He's like a lion, but he's not a lion. Um, he created lions. He's a lamb that goes to slaughter, takes away the sin of the world. He's like a lamb because he was sacrificed, but he's not, he's, he's not a lamb. He's like a, a, the lily in the valley. He's like a tender shoot that comes out of dry ground. He's like those things, but he's not those things. He's like them, but he's not them. 
But through the word of God in the New Testament, we see very clearly that Jesus became a servant. He wasn't kind of like it. You know, I mean, a servant, I mean, they do all these things and they kind of humble themselves. But I mean, he's not going to humble himself like that. He's just kind of like, no, he, 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 he was a, a servant to us. Last week, we talked about faith and how much faith do you need to get to Jesus? Just enough to get to him. That's all the faith. You just need enough faith to get to Jesus. It's not about the size of your faith. It's about the direction of your faith. We talked about it last week that faith is an anchor, but an anchor is no good for a boat if the, if the anchor don't have a rope tied to the boat. You're like, I got it, I got it. And you throw it out there and there's no rope to it. Kaplunk. Whoopsies. You gotta, you gotta tie a rope to that anchor. You gotta tether it to the boat. So faith is an anchor that's gotta be tethered to something. And many times we tether it to our own understanding because when we don't understand, we lose our faith in God. We tie our faith to circumstances. When our circumstances don't turn out the way we wanted them, we lose our hope in God. When, when we, we, we can tie faith to our desires and when our desires aren't met, we lose our faith in God. So what is the tethering that is solid and stable and that is not sinking sand, that is solid, solid foundation? Faith is an anchor that's gotta be tethered to his ultimate power and authority. Now, the good news is, good news is, everybody, before you get a little like, oh, man, I, I don't know if I'm living that way. Good news is, this is easy to do. This is easy to do. Tie your faith to the ultimate power and authority of God until his ways challenge your authority and power. It's easy. Until he says, would you go right? And you're like, man, I really want to go left. Hey, would you, would you surrender? Ah, I got my own theories about that. Do you know that, that, that it's, here's what I've heard about when you talk about giving. You know, people get funny when you talk about money. <laughs> they do. Oh, here I know. That's the first time dipping my toe in the water at Timber Creek Church. Here they are. Don't talk about money. I just knew it. The pastor's going to talk about money. Want something from me? Might as well put his hand in my pocket, take my wallet. I knew they were going to talk about, that church is all about my, Budweiser is all about your money. Okay, Home Depot is all about getting that tithe. Trust me. We're not about getting anything from you. We're out to get something for you. A trust and reliance on his ultimate authority and power. And there's something very authoritative and powerful about money. There's something, there's, there's all, it's powerful. And so you know what? It's easy, it's easy to spend your money until you feel like you are out of control until you feel like you're giving your money based on someone else's authority and power in your life and you don't like that. I don't think there's many people in life, I may be wrong, if it's you, come talk to me, pray over me, lay your hands on me after service. I don't think there's anybody that's like, taxes, <laughs> like. Get my taxes done today, I'm hoping I owe more. Nobody. I'm hoping, man, I could just, maybe, maybe this is the time I can get into a higher tax bracket. Hey, I went to store today and went a bunch of back to school shopping. Nothing was on sale. It was great. I got to spend full price. My kids know I really love them because I spent it all. Nobody talks that way. You like a deal. 
Huh? Because it, it feels like when you get a sale, my, when my wife says, I sold something in a garage sale, I, I made, I made, we made $800 in that garage sale. We sold $9,000 worth of stuff to get $800 in a garage sale. Am I talking anybody's language? You, did, you didn't get nothing. But when we, when we coin it that way, it feels like we had authority and power when you did not. Okay. It's easy until the authority and power in your life is challenged and it's been challenging ever since like the, 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 the school, the playground, leadership and authority and power when wielded the wrong way can become someone that has leadership influence and power and authority can become a bully because they, they leverage that authority and power. Um, the, the, the young girl with the looks that bats her eyelashes, leadership, authority and power can be wielded and twisted the wrong way and used in a dysfunctional way. And so Jesus invites you and me in a world that is hungry and thirsty for the final say, in a government that over the last many years is in deadlock and um, at each other's throat when when it comes to politics. It's all about authority and power. So your, your team lost the key authority and power this last election cycle, your, or your team got it. It's one of the first things a president does. They want to wield the pen of authority and power and sign all kinds of executive orders. I'm gonna make a difference. Boom, 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 boom. Like it or leave it, they're, they're wielding the power. And we live in a world that wants to be like James and John and look for how we can vie for position of authority and power. We do it very strategically and we do it subconsciously as well. Now Jesus shows us how to really wield power. He shows us how to wield our authority. If you wanna become like Jesus, then you will follow Jesus in these steps. So we go to another place, we're getting closer. He's gone to Jerusalem, he's not leaving. Now. He's about ready to have his final meal with his disciples, with his friends. And hours later that night, he will be arrested. And the things he said on the road to Jerusalem, mocked, flogged, beaten, and killed. That's all about to happen in the next 24 hours. You and I, let's get our feet wet today when it comes to ultimate authority and power. We pick up this story in John chapter 13. It was just before the Passover festival. And Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. He knew the hour had come. Now, it doesn't mean that Jesus isn't all-knowing, but there was some kind of emotional weight that laid on him uh, in a heavier way as he got closer to the cross. How do we know that? Because a few hours later, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, he is so overcome with the humanity side of his responsibility, the stress and the weight. Have you ever been worried sick? This is not Jesus being worried sick. This is simply his body becoming sick, becoming taxed, becoming, becoming wounded because of all the weight of the world is being placed on him. Why is it happening in the garden? Because once you're nailed to the tree, you can't, do, you can't walk away. So he feels this and he could have walked through the back door of the garden. He could have walked away and said, I've changed my mind, 
But even feeling all that, he says, oh, take this cup from me. But then he stops, he pauses, he comes back to what he knows, ultimate authority and power of you, God, your will be done, your will be done, not mine. And he's feeling the pressure and the stress. Have you ever been there where you've been sick over what is about to happen? You have to have a conversation with somebody that's gonna feel uncomfortable. You're a leader and you've hired a friend and now you've gotta fire that friend. And you know, man, it's gonna be in this, in this job market right now, it's gonna be hard and, 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 and you feel the weight and the pressure. You have to have a crucial conversation with somebody. You, you, you have to say no when, when they have, they, 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 it's like if you say no, they will hate you if you say no. Your, 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 your older son or daughter is demanding something from you and you have to cut, you have to put the line in the sand and say, the only way I can truly help you is say no right now. And they say, I hate you. How could you do this? You don't understand. You don't even love me. And you feel all that weight and all that pressure. I want you just to times that by all of the pressure and the weight of humanity. And Jesus is feeling that that time had come. And having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Can I say something to you? When I feel a lot of weight on my shoulders, when I feel stressed out, when I feel like I'm struggling, when I'm, when I'm not at my game, when I'm, when I haven't had my Snickers, you know how you're not you when you're hungry. You're, You're not you when you have the weight of the world on your shoulders. Are you? When there's a financial deal, when there's a deadline that you can't, that you're trying to reach and you're having to put all those extra hours in at work, when you've got more month left at the end of the money, when no matter what, how you do it and what you say, it's almost like you can't get your point across to your spouse and they can't get their point across to you and it's a deadlock and, and now you've, instead of even fighting about it, you've almost gotten apathetic about it. You're not even, you're not even caring anymore. You feel that weight. When I feel that weight, I'm not my best. I lash out, I isolate, I, 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 I eat my feelings, I stress, and, and, I, and I, want, I want to try and get the authority and power in my own hands to take care of these situations. And I want you to see that all of the weight of humanity was on his shoulders, and the Bible is clear that he loved his own who were in the world, and he loved them to the end, even through all of that. He loved very, very well. I'd invite you just to write a few thoughts down with me today. These are just practical. Take them to Monday. You can put these in wor- at work. Whether you're here kicking your tires on Christianity or you're here and you're a Christ follower, you, you can apply these. But I want you to know as a Christ follower, uh, this isn't like uh, a choice. <laughs> um, as a Christ follower, we are called to follow his word. So number one, whatever consumes my mind controls my life. This is crazy that Jesus would have all of this on his shoulders, and yet it is his love that we see that controls his life. I believe there is so much on your shoulders right now. There's so much you're thinking about. There's so much that maybe in your 21 days of prayer in your chair, that there's stuff that you're struggling with and wrestling with. In the middle of a global pandemic, really the truth is there is an even more deadly secret pandemic, pandemic in the shadows that has been uh, just, just devastating the globe. 
It's the emotional and mental pandemic. It's the isolation. It's the hurt. It's the wounds. It's the, it's the uncertainty. The, the, av- the national average of mental uh, health, people dealing with mental and emotional health issues has been 14% across the United States. Over the last year, it's grown to over 40%. So basically, almost one out of five is now almost one out of two. Next week, I'm starting a sermon series I've entitled Out of the Shadows. Because we're going we're gonna to pull some stuff out and we're going to talk about the things that maybe is uncomfortable to talk about. I'm going to talk about the dirt. I'm not going to ignore the relational tension. Um, we're not going to ignore some stuff that we need to talk about. And we're going to hear what Jesus has to say with these things that are in the shadow. And it's not just issues you deal with emotionally and mentally. Do do, do you know there's a portion of Jesus that's in the shadows that you may not even realize? And and, and that, that, that portion of Jesus, that portion of God that's in the shadows is the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Some of you, you, you love God and you believe in God. You've never even been introduced to the Holy Spirit other than like some something that you thought like, what is going on over there? Or you visited a church and they were running around and they're a little crazy. And you're like, uh-uh, I don't think so. Uh-uh. Um, the Holy Spirit isn't weird. <laughs> People are weird. <laughs> People are weird. The Holy Spirit isn't weird. We need, to, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to come out of the shadows and reveal himself to us. Whatever consumes my mind controls my life. And there are things in our hearts that if you, if you don't deal with them, they'll control your life. It, say it this way. Whatever fills, spills. This is a power situation. This is an authority situation. Because when the pressures of this world get heavy, we like to take matters into our own hands. And Jesus is showing us with all the pressure, he's going to love people And he's going to do something so counterintuitive, so beyond conventional wisdom, it's going to blow our mind. So the story goes on. The evening meal was in progress. Look at this. And the devil had already prompted Judas to betray Jesus. Guess who's who's at Del Rio with all the disciples? Judas! He's ordered the fajitas! He's, He's at Del Rio with Jesus! How do we know? Later, he says, whoever dips the chip in my salsa is the one who betrays me. He doesn't say that's bread in the whatever. <laughs> like, he's there. So not only does he know he's about to go through hell on earth for you and for me, but the guy who's going to kiss him in the garden, the kiss of betrayal, is having dinner with him. Have you ever gone to a party, ever gone to a get together and the relative is there that you didn't think was going to be there? And now you're like, you did not tell me that they were going to be here. Where are they staying the night too? Okay, I'm going to Motel 6. Like they're my Judas, okay? Jesus is dealing with all this. Look, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things, how much things? Come on, say it loud. Come on, Nagadoches, come on, Lufkin. All things under his power. 
We have authority and power issues. And in this moment, Jesus knows he's feeling not only the weight of the world, but ultimate power and authority is placed on him, in him, through him. That he had come to the Father, he had come from God and was returning to God. He is so deeply aware of who he is, what he's called to do, and what he has that he is going to surrender at the foot of the cross for who? For you and for me. So... He's got all this power, all this authority. So what does he do next? And my question for you and for me is, if it dawned on you, I've got all authority and power up in this mug. How would you behave? Let me say it this way. What would you do if you were the most powerful person in the room. Well, I'd turn down the air conditioners, what I do right now. I've been fanning for the last 22 minutes. I would have picked different songs. I can tell you that for dang sure. Turned it up because I like it loud. I'd turn it down because I don't like it loud. What would you do if you're the most powerful person in the room? Hey, if you were at the Last Supper and your betrayer is dipping chips into salsa with you and you're the most powerful person in the room, what would you do? Hey, everybody. I got an announcement to make. This sucker, this sucker's got issues. He'd been stealing, because he had been a thief. He'd been stealing from the ministry of Jesus. His heart was all hard. What would you do? Oh, I'm gonna make some announcements about Aunt Becky right now. I know Aunt Becky's talking about all this other stuff, but let me tell you what Becky did to me three weeks ago. What would you do if you're the most powerful person in the room? Hey, let me ask this. What would you do if you're the most powerful person in the city? Jesus is not only the most powerful person in the room, he's the most powerful person in the city. And down the road, the teachers and the Pharisees are starting to get together, waiting for Judas to show up. They have collected the 30 pieces of silver and they are getting all of their stories right. They're getting their questions together. They're getting their modus operandi all clear so that they can go get Jesus once he gets to the garden. What would you do? Shut them down? Send angels? Do it your way? What would you do if you're the most powerful person in the world and you go into the garden and your friends won't even stay awake with you? They won't even stay awake. And you are so emotionally burdened. You are bleeding through your pores like sweat. I'll tell you, take this cup from me into story. And yet Jesus chooses to respond with ultimate power and authority. So he's the most powerful, authoritative person on the world in the world. So what does he do? He got up from the meal took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. He's got hours before the cross and he wraps his towel. See, in Jewish tradition, before you would eat, it's very important that not only would you wash your hands, it was part of the tradition, but you'd wash your feet too. Why? 
Because a table for us, that, that's, that's uh, much newer than we realize. When you were living back then, you would, you would be around almost on the floor, around pillows and be next to each other. So when you hear about like uh, the one who Jesus loved leaned against uh, Jesus, it's not like he's sitting in a chair at Applebee's, you know, with his head on his shoulder. That's weird. But like they're all together and he's kind of leaning this way and Jesus is there and they're talking and they're listening. And now why is this important that we wash our feet? Because they don't got boots. They got sandals and they got toe jam. And they don't, they don't, listen, if you've ever walked the roads of a third world country, just know it ain't just dirt. You stepping in all kinds of humanity right there. So what would happen when a group would get together is a servant in the house would come around and would wash their feet. Well, they've gathered like this and it's almost like a forgotten thing. Like nobody's been thinking about this. Why? Because they assumed that they're the ones, listen, you follow Jesus for three and a half years and it gathers a crowd and people are looking at you like, whoa, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Like, yeah, yeah, I was there. <laughs> no big deal. I walked on water. You know, yeah, I mean, for a couple steps, it was, it is what it was. I could have walked farther, but I didn't want to. It was just this thing. Like you, you, you start, being able to bask in the glory of the one who's raising the dead and the one who's healing the eyes. And you're like, yeah, I saw him. Dirt, spit. <laughs> he did it for real, for real. No, on the reels. And you start getting people around you. You stop thinking about what you could do to open doors. You start expecting doors to be open for you. I've seen it happen in churches. It's crazy. All kinds of people from, from serve teams and dream teams to past pastors that all of a sudden they forget what the, what the handle of a vacuum feels like. Something's below them, something's beneath them. All of a sudden they deserve to be served versus being the chief servant. He took off his outer clothing and he wrapped that towel around his waist. And after that, he poured a base, water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now this towel that's wrapped around him He's drying and washing and, and it's, it's getting dirty. He, he's, it's almost this illustration. He's going to dirty himself to serve us. Now he comes to Simon Peter. <laughs> I love Simon. Like Peter's, like he is, he's saved, but barely saved kind of thing. And he's always good intention, but loud mouthed. You got a friend married to him. I get, you know, I don't get it. I'm not that way. <laughs> My wife gets it. I don't get it. <laughs> Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, you're going to wash my feet? <laughs> Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. Yes, I'm going to wash your feet. You don't know why I'm doing it. You, you, you don't get it all. He says, no. Could you imagine? Jesus walks in the room and says, I'd like to do this for you. And you have the audacity to say, No because you think you know better than Jesus? Again, when we read his word and there are things that don't make sense to us or our culture and those things that Jesus teaches us to do and to surrender and sacrifice and follow his will over our will and we say, no. He says, I know you don't see it. I'm not even asking you to understand right now. I'm asking you to let me be the ultimate authority and power and for you to follow me. And let's, 
unless I wash you, Peter, you can't have any part with me. Number two, good intentions and passionate opinions. And I think every one of you have those. I know all of you got opinions. Opinions are like armpits. Everybody's got a couple of them. They stink. Good intentions and passionate opinions. This is Peter. He's got good intention. He doesn't want Jesus to humble himself like that. He's got a passionate opinion. No, 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 no. That you know what? Leads to a heartfelt action. I don't want to, I don't want you to wash my feet. I want to wash yours. I want to serve you. I want to help you. And 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 good intentions and passionate opinions on finances, on relationships, on your emotions, on your marriage, on on anything that you want to have the final say, the final authority, and the ultimate power, and take it from him. Those things they carry a dangerous capacity to hijack Jesus direction for your life. So you can be in church and have a good intention that has a biblical wrapping, a passionate opinion about scripture, a passionate opinion about methodology in church. You can have heartfelt actions and hijack what Jesus wants to show you in life. That was Peter. Don't be Peter. Let Jesus do what he needs to do. Trust him. You don't even have to understand. Jesus replied, look, you don't realize what I'm doing now, but later you'll understand. Number three, understanding follows my obedience. Look, faith is following someone you don't always understand. Faith is being able to believe in something you might not be able to see. And sometimes you want to see and make sense. And unless you can touch the scars and the the scar in his side and on his hands like doubting Thomas, unless you can like see, you can't believe. And faith has got to be anchored not to what you see. Faith is anchored to his ultimate power and authority. All understanding follows me being obedient. Maybe. It for sure follows obedience, but sometimes your understanding doesn't come until the other side of heaven. Sometimes things happen and life takes place and in a broken world, you're gonna obey and be very hard to understand. In the book of Revelation, there's this, you you ever been to a symphony or you ever been to like a high school uh, concert and there's a a orchestra pit uh, by by the stage? Down in the orchestra pit, there's all these instruments. In the book of Revelation, it describes the throne room and there is this like this, this, almost like this orchestra pit. There's this area in the altar and in the altar are all of these martyrs. Martyrs are those that have died, shed their blood because of their faith in Jesus. And there's martyrs. That the, John is trying to describe a picture of the throne here. And guess what the martyrs are saying? When will you avenge our blood? They were obedient unto death and even in heaven, they still don't understand the timeline. Even in heaven, they've got questions. God, when? When, when, When's this gonna happen? Surrendering to his ultimate power and authority doesn't mean you won't ever have questions. It just means you'll obey even when you don't understand. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, returned to his place, 
Do you get what I've just done for you? And, and here's, here is what you heard in the room. Cricket, <laughs> cricket, blink, 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 blink. Do you understand what I've done for you? I don't think they could understand. They didn't. They didn't understand a lot of things. And he says, let me explain it. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, that's what I am. So him humbling himself doesn't mean that he's not their teacher and Lord. He's also their teacher and Lord, okay? You, you, you've, you've done this. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, uh-oh, you also should wash one another's feet. I like it when, I mean, I like telling the story about this, but now you're, who's, who's, who's you? Who's also? Us? Yeah. You should wash one another's feet. He doubles down. Surely he didn't mean that. Maybe that was kind of a slip of the tongue. Oh, I, I, I've set you an example. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Don't just think about it, do it. Furthermore, you know these things, you will be blessed if you, what them? Do them. One more time, do them. Do them? I thought just like feeling it. Number four, certain blessings are reserved for me when I serve. You're blessed if you do it. But let me show you something, everybody. Um, in order to live this out, you can see it at, uh, at, in Nacogdoches, there at the end of your seats, and there at the end of all of our seats, our basins with a towel and some water. You can see those. I'm gonna invite you just to pull those out at every row. And we're gonna begin to wash each other's feet today. And so ushers, if you'll help them, some of you just freaked out. I'm kidding. There's no water. There's no basin. There's no towels. I promise you, you don't want to see, you don't want to see the Bojangles that are uh, <laughs> hanging off of my toes. Okay. Side story. Only time I've ever had a pedicure. I went with Janet. We were in, where was that? Beaumont? No, what was it? Port Arthur. We had a little time, went to a pedicure, woman. She gets all up in that mess for me. And, and uh, here's what she said. <laughs> here's what she said. I don't want to do the voice, but you work oil-filled? You work oil-filled? <laughs> and my wife's like, no, he stands on a stage and holds a microphone. <laughs> my feet were so bad, she thought, you work oil-filled? <laughs> like... And then she looked at Janet and she said, you need to take care of your husband better. And I'm like, I agree. She's like, I ain't touching that toe. <laughs> Moving on. We're not gonna do that because this story really isn't about feet washing. It's about the heart. This is, this is about washing your heart from all the ultimate power and authority that would never allow you to even think twice about washing someone's feet. I don't mind. I my kids surprised me on a birthday and they washed my feet. It was, it was precious. I, I, we, we, I, I've given Janet massages on the feet before. We, we, we do that, like there's something, because we know each other. But can I, think of your enemy right now. Think of someone who drives you nuts. Thinking of a family member, someone at work. Think of your boss. Think of somebody and they've hurt you. They've wounded you. They've made you mad. Could you wash their feet? And some of you, the answer isn't just no. It's just like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. He's not talking. He's talking about the heart. 
the hard issue of ultimate power and authority that if Jesus invites you to follow him, can you follow him even when you might feel uncomfortable? I said last week, as we begin to wrap up, you can be crowded around Jesus all your life and never really touch him. He had crowds all around him, but it was a woman that had faith to touch the hem of his garment that was crowded around him too, but she was not going after just a healing. She was just trying to get close to Jesus. How much faith do you need to get close to Jesus? You don't need the faith of your grandma. You don't need the faith of your grandpa. Those things won't work for you any way. You need the faith enough to jump, the faith enough to just, ju just enough to get close to Jesus and allow you to touch him and him to place his hand on you. You can be crowded around Jesus and never really touch him. That may be you today. You've got your theories about God, but your mom wants you to come to church with her. So you're here at church. You, 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 you're, you're frustrated. You got your own theories, but, but you're going to come to church. It's just kind of the thing we do on Sundays. And I want you to know you can be crowded in here and never really touch Jesus. And yet he still makes himself available to you. But I want to take it a, a, a step further for Christ's followers today. You can believe in Jesus, but never really follow him. You can believe he is who he says he is, and yet never follow him. God is not looking for just knowers, he's looking for doers. So many people in so many churches, they are educated beyond their obedience. They're looking for another sermon and Jesus is just looking for you to serve somebody. And look, how can I show you that believing in Jesus but never really follow him? What does that even mean? Well, look at what James says in the book of James. You believe that there's one God, good. And I just see him going. You believe there's one God, good. Good for you. You want a cookie? Even the demons believe that and shudder. You're like, I know, I'm married to one of them. Like even the demons believe in the power of God and shudder in fear of who God is, but they won't follow him. They chose to follow ultimate power and authority that the chief worship leader, Lucifer, in heaven itself said, this whole ultimate power and authority of worshiping you the whole time, I just don't know. I'd like to do it myself. So what does he try to get humanity to do? To do exactly what he did in heaven that got him kicked out of heaven. G, 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 you know what the enemy wants? He just wants to do the same thing and keep you from the same thing that he got taken out of because he just hates surrendering to ultimate authority and power. I don't want to be that guy, but I am that guy. I can be that guy. We fast forward, Jesus dies, resurrects, is with them 40 days, and he's about to ascend into heaven. And look at what Jesus does. He says, he comes to them and he says, all authority. So he already knew he had power and he showed his power. He yielded the strength of his power by serving people. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So here's what Jesus shows us. There's a lot of people that have good intentions and passionate opinions that when they go to make disciples, they do it with a ball bat. They do it with anger. They do it yelling at the top of their thumbs on Facebook. They do it with their passionate opinions, kicking doors open. We have rights. And they do it more as an American than more than like Jesus. Jesus. 
all authority. And Jesus connects these two things with his power and authority by showing us you're supposed to go, but you're supposed to do it with the right heart. You got to go out there and, and be with people, but do it with the servant's heart. Do it with a heart. Do it with my heart. Why? Because a mobilized church is the hope of the world. Church in the hope of the world. There's a whole lot of churches out there that are hopeless, and I don't want to be one. They're just kind of doing their own thing. Us three, let us be. Us four, no, mo- oh, no more. Us two, it'll do. The mobilized church is the hope of the world. So as we finish today, how do we put feet on our faith? How do, how do we actually get out there and put feet? What does it look like? What's the heart? Not just putting feet. I'm in the Lord's army, but how do I serve in the right way? What, what, what is the heart of the servant? It all starts with number one, I will never be able to reach what I cannot see. I cannot reach what I cannot see. This world, including Christ followers, many times we have lost the main thing. Stephen Covey so eloquently said it like this. You know what the main thing is? The main, the main thing is keeping the main thing the main thing. The main thing is keeping the main thing the main thing. That's the main thing. What's the main thing? The main thing is to do what Jesus has called us to do in the heart he's called us to do it. Go make disciples, love people. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. I've, I washed your feet and I'm telling you, you should do this. You don't really understand the way of Christ if you don't serve people. But you cannot, you cannot wash feet if you don't see people that need feet washing. You can't serve people if you don't see people to serve. And you know how we get to that place? We look inward, we look about us. Think about me and my needs. I want a church that's going to do what I want to do. I want to be about me. I want, to, I want, to, I want a, a, a nation that's going to do everything that I believe. That's never happened. It's never going to happen. Should Christians be involved in politics? 100% to show the world who Jesus is. But if we think that if we finally garner enough authority and power that we've reached it, we will have missed the entire crux of the Bible. His kingdom come. His will be done on earth as he sees it in heaven. Jesus, when he saw people, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. (laughs) Maybe you feel harassed. Maybe you feel helpless. He has compassion on you, but he also has compassion on the crowds. And look, he saw them as a sheep, a sheep without a shepherd. When you see people in your life, Christ follower, that are not acting like God, and it upsets you, but they're not a God follower, like they're a sheep without a shepherd. How do you expect them to behave? Like you should expect them to behave like a sheep without a shepherd. Into the ditch. Right into the, right into the mouth of the coyote. Like, duh. Sheep are dumb. We're dumb. <laughs> we, we, we need a shepherd. We need ultimate power and authority. My life will be defined by the way I treat people. Like your funeral, your obituary might say all kinds of things you did and stuff you accomplished and where you worked and how many siblings you had. But I want to promise you the lasting impression is how you treated people. Two kinds of people in this world. People you feel good when they walk into a room there are people that you feel good when they walk out of the room. 
<laughs> Which one are you? Hey, can I be honest? I love every single one of you. Sometimes there are one or two. When they walk out into the room, I say, okay, here we go. And when they walk out of the room, my heart kind of goes, ain't gonna lie. I love you, but sometimes you're just mean. You know, I, I love you, but sometimes you're just so opinionated I can't ever talk to you. Or maybe you felt that way with me. <laughs> wink, wink, Janet. <laughs> sometimes she's all like, he's left for a week to get along with God. <laughs> God, speak to that idiot, <laughs> you know. I'm guilty. In 21 days of prayer in your chair, if you just talk about people it will grow your irritation toward people. If you pray about people, it will grow your compassion for people. 21 days of prayer in your chair is another way to serve people by praying over them. In every encounter, I'm either giving life or draining it. It's not a mutual exchange. It's not just a mutual, it's not a neutral thing. You're giving life or you're draining it. So be the kind of disciple that Jesus was raising up is raising up that with all power and all authority and all your rights that you would lay down your rights to follow him that you would take up your cross to follow him that you wouldn't just believe but you do what he said to do and do it in the heart that will change your world so i i want to leave you with this if god answered every prayer from my chair every single prayer you're praying. Number one, I wonder if you'd pray more. (laughs) He has ultimate power and authority, everybody. If God answered every prayer from my chair, here's the question. Would it change the world or just change me? Jesus is inviting you to see what you can't see, to, to trust what you can't understand, Because he is trustworthy and all power and authority is in his hands whose other set of hands would you would you trust like that what other sets of hands have formed the galaxies how much more will he hold you and help you and guide you lean not on your own In this moment right now, wherever you're watching, Jesus is here. His spirit is here. But his posture isn't like this, waiting for you to get things right with him. Even now, I believe Jesus would be stripping away all the religious stuff that you tried to clothe him in. All the stuff you try to explain away. Oh God, I, I, you know, I'm meant to be a good person and I did this and I did that. And I don't know if you'll ever forgive this thing because man, I wouldn't forgive me if I did that. And he's stripping all that away. And as you're trying to explain yourself, he's just, he's ready to, he's ready to, to take the, the, the dirtiest places of your life 
and wash them clean. This isn't about feet. It's about our heart. And with ultimate power and authority, he will wash you from head to toe. Let him. Friends, if you are a Christ follower and he's already washed you head to toe, follow him. It's time to get in the game. Some of you have been making excuses. Ah, the younger generation serve. We got enough dream teamers or, well, somebody else, somebody ought to do something about that. You should do as Christ did, serve people. In your worship guide, there's QR codes for starting point and dream team. Go out into our lobby, talk to somebody. I, I know that some of you, you've gone through starting point and it, it was a feeling of like you didn't get disconnected and maybe it kind of burned you. Can I tell you, uh, we ain't perfect. Sometimes we drop the ball. Like, well, I send it, a check is in the mail and sometimes the mail didn't come or something got lost in the shuffle. Maybe, maybe we lost you in the shuffle. That's terrible, terrible. Give us a second chance. We wanna help you serve. We wanna help you do what Jesus has called you and designed you to do, serve people. Would you pray with me today? All heads bowed and eyes closed in all of our locations. It's a posture of servanthood. That's why he came to die for you. But he's also Lord. So you, you must follow. And if you're here today and you say, you know, Jeremy, I think that's me. I've been kind of doing my own power thing, my own authority thing. And I wanna, I wanna surrender to God today. I want you to know he's not mad at you. He loves you. Um, but he also wants to cleanse you. And if that's you, you'd simply say, Jesus, I... I want you to be my Lord and teacher, my Lord and Savior. And there are areas, Lord, that I can't keep clean or get clean. It's the sin in my life. And I surrender to you today. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you would meet me right where I am and give me a second chance, a fresh start. I don't know all the answers, but I want to follow you now. I want to follow you. And friend, if you're praying that with me, he hears you. If you mean it with your heart, he is washing you clean in this moment. Believe it. Believe it. Believe it. And now let me pray for the church here, for Christ followers. God, help us to see what you see, to reach what, what I've not been able to see, to, to help in areas that I've, not, that, that I've not even thought about, how I can be uh, used by you, leveraging my strengths and my giftings and my capacity, that, that I would lower my own authority and power and understanding to follow in you and do what you've called me to do. Thank you, Jesus, you're not done with me, yet you have a plan, you have a purpose, and I thank you for that. And God, I turn my eyes now to those that need someone to show them Jesus. God, help me to be one of those people that will show people who you really are. We ask it in the name of Jesus, the strong son of God. And everybody everywhere said amen.